Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so how has your week been my friend it's been really busy uh we're first of all you know we're on our our new night here streaming live on twitch we Mm. moved from tuesdays to wednesdays tomorrow i've got a a pretty big work event that i'm doing tomorrow evening but after that uh, the week should get a little bit easier, so just been really busy prepping for that, having to make several videos and stuff for social media. But uh, one cool thing I'm actually going to get to do this weekend is I'm going to be on a film set Saturday and Sunday helping out with a short film called The Referral. That's it's going to cool. be filmed in Fort Walton Beach. And as of right now, and that that could change between now and Saturday, but I'm going to be Kevin Almodovar's AC. Oh, nice! <laughs> which I'm stoked for. That uh, that I'm jealous. Yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. I know um, a couple of the actors that are going to be involved. I don't know who all is going to be on the crew yet, but. You know, I I saw the opportunity was there, and I was like, you know what? Before I lose my life for a few months, yeah. I will, you know, just do as much film stuff as I can. So absolutely excited, excited to do that. And then on Tuesday, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this when we close out the show. I'm going to be doing my first live solo show <laughs> since July of 2018. Wow, it's been that long. Yeah. Well, remember after the roast, which was in August, and this is for the Derek Diamond experience, but after the roast, I took the rest of that year off (laughs) as far as podcasting and then revamped the format. But um, yeah, I'm going to be doing that this Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. on Facebook Live, which you can find at facebook.com slash ddiamondpodcast. Should be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be trying out OBS, which I know you've Mm -hmm. been using for this stream which i've never used before so that's how i'm gonna spend my friday night is i'll I'll be on a nice date with obs (laughs) and uh don't bother trying to call me to ask me how to do stuff on obs because i still don't know what to do it's it's a miracle (laughs) i got it to to work for this show because it is so not user-friendly and uh, basically, I just went through YouTube tutorials to at least get it running and then just don't touch it forever and just pray yeah. that it keeps working. <laughs> That's how yeah, it works. It, it should be a lot of fun, though. You know, it's like I said, it's the first show I've done live in quite a while. And, and doing a solo show is very different because, like, on this show, you and I have each other to bounce off of. But yeah. If I don't have people in the chat room, to chat with i just have to basically bs for an hour yep but it it should be fun and i'll i'll get a little bit more into that when uh 
when we close out the show and do all our plugs and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, just been really busy with work. Uh, been still been trying to watch as many movies as possible. I did watch. Um, what did I watch? Oh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, you finally, finally saw it. it. Good. It was really good. It was it was a little long, but well, I think that it's it, I that that's my bet for uh be, um best film at the Oscars. Oh, best picture. Yeah, because uh you know Quentin Tarantino only he said he's doing one more movie, so this might be the uh, we better go ahead and give him an Oscar now because uh, we we stiffed him in '94 with uh, Pulp Fiction. Which I, I'm still sore about that because as much as I love uh, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction should have won that year. So this will be sort of the uh, we're sorry, and we know you're about to retire. So here's your sympathy Oscar for best film. Well, and plus, it takes place. The movie takes place in '60s Hollywood. Yeah, and Hollywood loves them some Hollywood. Yes, they do. If you ever want to so, win an Oscar, just make a movie about Hollywood, and you'll you'll win an Oscar. I'm actually, and this will be something I get into on my show, I am actually looking forward to the Oscars this year, and I think it's because I'm a little bit more invested because I've seen so many more movies. Yeah. Because I think I've only seen, there's like one or two movies that are nominated for Best Picture that I haven't seen mm -hmm. that I'm going to try and watch before the Oscars, so it should be fun, but I'll be talking about all kinds of movie stuff Oh yeah, on That's Tuesday, cool. but... Yeah, what I'll about be you? joining in when I can, if I can, when you're going live, and I'll throw you some questions to keep you going for a little while. Cool. But uh, yeah, it's... oh, Go what ahead. were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I was gonna do it a little bit earlier in the evening, but we actually have a job fair okay. that we have to do from like four to seven. So yeah, my goal is to set everything up before I go to work for the day. That way, in case it runs late. You know, I can just kind of show up and yeah. turn my laptop on, and I'll be good to go. Um, pretty busy for me too. Uh, if anybody is in the New Orleans area this Saturday, uh, the what is this Saturday? The eighteenth, I think, seventeenth, eighteenth, um, whatever this Saturday. If you're listening this to this on the day that it comes out, then this Saturday I'm going to be in New Orleans at the Bro Curry Brewery for an open mic there this Saturday night at 8.30. So that should be fun. Sweet. But that's all I got going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you guys have been doing fantastic stuff with the open mics. And, you know, we had the comedy festival a couple of weeks ago. So, no, you and, you and Wally mm -hmm. both are doing good things. Oh, yeah. We got, we got a lot of shows booked coming up. <clears throat> uh, there's another show at The Way We're Cracking on January 25th. Uh, the Touch Biloxi, I think, birthday bash on January 25th. And then another one in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. They're starting up another um, open mic on February 6th. So if you're on the Gulf Coast area, come out any of those nights. I'll, I'll be talking about them on the shows as they come, come up. So And you'll see them on my Facebook page and Twitter, all that good stuff. And if you go to these shows, do not sit in the front row. Yeah, do it, unless you want to get made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, you ready to go into the news? Yes, sir. From NintendoLife.com, this cube-like console will play every Game Boy game on your TV. Uh, Hyperkin 
has just lifted the lid on its next game system, the Retron Junior, which plays Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance on your TV. The cube-like system connects to your television via HDMI and outputs at 720p. It comes bundled with SNES-style wireless scout controller, which can be connected to the console via a 6-foot USB-C cable. The unit also showcases a 3.5mm headphone socket and a link port, which presumably allows two Retron Junior systems to be connected together for games which support multiplayer. What do you think about this? This actually sounds really cool. The fact that it looks just like a box to me it looks is like a really GameCube. awesome. <laughs> no, it really does, and it's got the oversized power button on the front. Yeah. I, I'm for this, actually. You know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Super Game Boy. Mm -hmm. But with this, you wouldn't need the Super Nintendo. You just plug in your cartridge in it. The Game Boy has been a system that's actually been on my mind the last few days because I, I went to the uh, video game trading post a few days ago. And I actually, I don't think I sent you the picture of it, but I got um, uh, Rogue Leader for oh, GameCube. So that, awesome. that'll be a game I review probably in, uh, in February. But I was looking at the Game Boy games, and there were a lot of Game Boy games that I did not play because I usually just stuck to the Mario and, you know, Link's Awakening, yeah. and I played a few other games other than that. But one thing it know. doesn't say, it doesn't say if it, um, if it does what the Super Game Boy did for the Super Nintendo. It doesn't say if it colorizes them or anything. Yeah, I'm looking, and I, <clears throat> I don't see it. I would imagine if I had to guess that it probably doesn't. But who knows? Yeah, I wonder how much. It doesn't say how much it's going to be either. But I'm thinking if this thing's less than fifty bucks, it'll be. It's definitely worth the money. If it's less than fifty bucks, it's going to be sitting next to my TV. Oh yeah, it looks like it might be tiny because if you look at the size of a a Game Boy game compared to mm -hmm. the hole on top of the thing, I mean, this thing can't be any bigger than like a couple of inches across. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. This thing might be kind of well, tiny. Won't take up too much space. No. I like it. Let's. No, I, it looks really, really cool. But our next story also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Arcade 1UP is reviving a Sega classic that has never been seen outside of arcades. If you follow the retro gaming scene closely, then the name Arcade 1UP will instantly ring a bell. This relatively new company scored a sizable coup by gaming the, gaining the license to create an arcade cabinet containing Konami's classic TMNT arcade game and has followed up that release with a series of other cabinets including Marvel vs. Capcom, Pac-Man, Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter. The company is at CES showing off its latest line of games as well as digital pinball machines and plug-and-play systems. However, gamers of a certain vintage will most instantly most interested in the new NBA Jam cabinet, which comes in a four-player configuration and has the ability to host online games so you're never short of someone to hop on the court with. And it says here the price hasn't been confirmed, but an Arcade 1UP rep says it should be between three $3.99 and $4.99. I don't, did you ever play NBA Jam? Uh, I did, but I was never that big of a fan of it. Um, but one of the other things they're going to be releasing is Golden Axe Revenge of Death Adder, a 92 arcade release which has never been ported to any home system. Yes. That's cool. 
to me, the more of these things they make, the better. Yeah. Because it shows that they're obviously successful if they're going to keep gaining licenses and adding different cabinets. At some point, I don't know when that's going to be, but I will have a Ninja Turtles one. Oh, yeah. I really like this Pac-Man machine that they have because it's got the wood grain finish on the side. It looks awesome. Say again? Uh, This Pac-Man machine that they have. uh, If you look at the the video that's embedded, if you look at the different machines on it, they have a Pac-Man machine that has the wood grain on the side of it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool looking. Yeah. Well, and even to the the picture to the left of it, the Star Wars, it looks like a yeah. pinball machine. Well, that's what's uh, coming up in the next uh, the next story. <laughs> Go for it. Um, let me see. Let me get to it here. On uh, GameSpot.com, the best retro gaming hardware from CES 2020, Gigantic NBA Jam, Hyperkin Retron Jr., Digital Pinball, and more. Uh, we already talked about uh, Burger Time a couple of weeks ago, and of course, NBA Jam. We just talked about... Um, but they're also coming out with uh, pinball machines, which they have a couple here that you can look at. It's um, they have. Let me get it up. Oh, they got a Frogger machine. They have uh, the Star Wars pinball machine that is pretty freaking sweet. Um, I think I might mm-hmm. have to break off some cheddar for that. <laughs> but another peach. cool thing is the uh, the plug and play systems that they have coming out. Uh, they have one here that's Pac-Man, Mega Man. I really like that Mega Man one. Um, also, they have uh, Mickey Mania and DuckTales. Mm-hmm. I might have to buy these just because I just like the way they look. I love that the Pac-Man one is just so obnoxiously huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. But these little plug-and-play things look really cool. And it's from Arcade 1-Up, so you know they're not going to be crappy. You know they're going to be actually very well made. Well, to follow up on the the last article, they have a picture of the Retron Jr. Mm -hmm. And it looks like, you know, you're right, it's going to be pretty small. Yeah, it's it's smaller than the actual uh, controller. Like, they have a controller here that kind of looks like a... uh, Actually, it's the same as a Super Nintendo controller. Like, the same shape, same size. Yeah, it looks almost identical. And uh, the uh, the Retron Jr., they have sitting right behind it, and it's, like, half the size. So this thing is tiny. Yeah. But it still it doesn't It looks like a lot of really cool be. stuff came out of this. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff they're showing. Arcade 1-Up is killing it the last few years. They And from what I hear, they're very good uh, customer service, too. People, I've heard, uh, been listening oh, to some podcasts better. where people have some problems with their, uh, you know, their cabinets that they get, and almost immediately they'll have a replacement for the cabinet. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, with especially with today's day and age, customer service is... If it's not the number one quality you have, it's got to be the number two. Yeah, absolutely. I like these uh, these Star Wars machines, too. The Star Wars cabinet is supposed to have a Star Wars sit-down cabinet, too. Oh, that would be awesome. Which is going to be really cool. This pinball machine looks great. I know. That, I wonder if it's a pull. It doesn't show anybody standing near it, so I wonder if that's a full-size pinball, pinball machine. 
I mean, not just the pinball machine, but that artwork on the side. I just love oh, to put yeah. that on my wall. I know. I love me some pinball. Oh, pinball's great. I, I remember playing the old space pinball game for my very first computer that I ever had. It was like 3D space pinball mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and speaking that of pinball, our, our good friend Joey Image just uh, uploaded a video today to his YouTube page. Uh, it was like a seven-minute walkthrough in the uh, pinball museum that he went to that just opened up in New Jersey. And I, I was like, man, I could spend days in there. <laughs> uh, shout out to Joey Image. Yeah, go check out his video at Joey Image TV. And our last story, if it did you pull up. Before we do this story, did you get a chance to look at the video? Yes, I did. Okay, I, I want to ask your opinion on the video once you once you get into it. Yeah, so our last story comes to us from CNN.com. Japan's Nintendo theme park will take visitors inside their favorite games. Gaming fanatics will soon be able to play real-life versions of their favorite Nintendo titles. Universal Studios Japan has promised as it teased details about its new theme park. Super Nintendo World is set to open this summer in Osaka in time for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which I completely forgot they were hosting the Olympics this year. Yeah, I forgot that too. (laughs) Which are expected to bring tourists to the country in huge numbers. I mean, that alone is just great timing. Yeah, exactly. Because that's going to bring a lot of people. But plans for the project have been kept under wraps, but Universal Studios Japan gave fans a glimpse on Tuesday launching a website and a promo video to set a new or set to a new song from Galantis and Charlie XCX. The company promises the theme park will blend the physical world with the world of the video game and allow guests to feel as if they are playing inside their favorite Nintendo video games. <laughs> so, well, before we get into the discussion of the video, the other thing I'll say is that visitors will also use wearable power-up bands to take part in a virtual experience based on Mario's Mushroom Kingdom universe. While wearing the band, guests can collect digital coins just like Mario does in the games. Universal Studios Japan said in a press release, adding that customers can make use of their arms, hands, and entire bodies. So the way the video is described, it, this band, and it's showcased in the very beginning, it, it's obviously going to be very important so i feel like there's going to be a ton of digital interactive stuff yeah with this part i mean which it, i don't necessarily think is a bad thing but it, it makes me very curious as to exactly what they do well that's the thing like the the video and i wanted to get your opinion on it it doesn't it's a cool video don't get me wrong it's very cool to watch but it doesn't really show you what it's going to actually be like Now, are people going to be wearing, like, virtual reality glasses or, like, some sort of AR, uh, augmented reality glasses or or what to do what they're showing us in the video? Because the video is completely, like, CGI, people running around in a CGI world, you know, Super Mario Land, you know, punching boxes and running from uh, thwomps. Uh, things of that nature and it's a cool video but it's not very realistic and I'm just wondering exactly how they're gonna do what they're saying they're gonna do it felt more like a teaser video yeah 
more like a trailer or a commercial than actually saying, hey, this is what you can do, other than the actual band. Yeah. That was really about it. But I I don't mind there being a certain type of like virtual reality or some type of interactiveness where you use the band to collect things or you need it to do certain objectives in this park. But my concern is that it's going to be mostly that. Yeah. Oh, Mixmaster's not, in the chat I, room, and he said he's a, he's on 101 now. And uh, not to bring up old things, but was curious what you went through, Jason, as I am currently through hard times. Uh, oh, um, we'll talk about that off the air, because <laughs> he's, he's right up to the yeah. point where I left the show for about a month and a half. Uh, but yeah, we, we see each other enough in life. Well, I'll, I'll tell you in real life. Um, let's see. And the Mario commentary was funny because that was right around that time, right before I left the show for a bit was the Mario commentary. And uh, I just found my Mario DVD the other day and I, uh, I was supposed to, I think I was supposed to send it to, was it Brandon Rutledge? I was supposed to send it to. I believe so. Yes. So sorry. I haven't sent it yet. It's been a year <laughs> that I was supposed to send it to him. So I'll get on that. I promise. I'm sure we'll hear about it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll definitely <laughs> uh, let me have it tomorrow for forgetting to send him that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I will say to to Mixmaster that Mario Brothers commentary is still to this day my favorite episode yeah. of the show that we've done. <laughs> I think it's mine too. I go back and listen to it every once in a while because that there was some comedy gold in that movie, oh, it, and we yeah. still. Um, we're supposed to do a, a commentary with Mixmaster uh, for Double Dragon, the movie, which I am terrified to watch that movie because I saw a clip oh, of it. Wow! Right before the show tonight, I was on Twitter and someone had like a minute long clip of it on Twitter, and I was like, "This movie looks like dog shit." <laughs> I'm kind of scared to watch it now. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw that movie. I saw it back in the 90s. I didn't even see it in a theater. I think I might have seen it on like HBO or something. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't see it in theaters. It had to have been on TV somewhere, but it couldn't have been that great if I can't really remember anything from it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be Back fun, to what though. I was saying about the about Super Nintendo World. If you want to add a little bit of augmented reality and virtual reality into it, I think that's fine. But it doesn't need to be 80% that and 20% your actual rides. Because if I want to go to a Nintendo theme park, I can tell you the short list of things that I would want. I would want to obviously go through somewhere that looks like a classic Mario level where I could jump up and physically mm -hmm. touch question mark blocks yeah because they had people doing that in the video so i'm wondering if you're just going to kind of be walking around the park like wearing augmented reality glasses and you'll see like the coin block and you just jump up and hit it or is it yeah. gonna like uh, that would be fun i just it's all in about implementation i would even be okay with mario kart having the the virtual reality aspect to it because I, I think that would actually fit i think so and then, of course, if you're going to have anything Donkey Kong related, if you're going to do a roller coaster, it has to be Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah. 
But that would I'm be not sick. gonna. Not that I, you know, I'm not gonna be going to Japan anytime soon. <laughs> but when I do, no. I'd love to go here and experience that. Oh, this would be like the number one thing. Oh to yeah. Do, <laughs> do you want to go yeah. visit? You know. Places that are thousands of years old. No, I want to go to Super Nintendo Land. Damn it! They just name off all this stuff, and you're like, you know, we spent so much time in Nintendo World that kind of kind of forgot. And uh, on that note, you ready to go into uh, history? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> In January of 1981, Atari Computer Magazine Analog Computing begins nine years of publication. Most issues include at least one basic game and one machine language game. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. You never did any programming in basic, did you? That was probably before your time. I did not, no. I did a little bit on the Commodore 64 back when I was a kid. Uh, We had a Commodore 64 and we had this big book of computer games that you could program in basic. And um, I only successfully did like one or two games out of trying, you know, dozens because you get one little thing wrong and the whole thing doesn't work. But my grandpa was good at it. He used to uh, program me games all the time and and save them to the uh, actual cassette tapes and give them to me and the the big eight inch floppy disks too. That's cool. No, I, I threw this one in here because I know every now and then we talk about the old gaming magazines. Like for me, it would be Nintendo Power, Electronic Gaming Monthly. But mm-hmm. magazines, I mean, they they were they were the thing back in the Nintendo day. You know, I, I never had um, the Atari Computer Magazine, but every month I remember I would just be waiting in anticipation for Nintendo Power. Me too. <laughs> I miss that magazine so much. I do too. In January of 1983, Namco releases Xevious. Mm, I remember us talking about this last year. That uh, the game art, all most of the games around this time look like their aesthetic, like their logos and stuff, are very Tronish. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a product of its era. Absolutely. Love that artwork though. The artwork back then was such badass. It's too bad the games, like especially for Atari, games never looked like the uh, the actual artwork. So it was kind of false advertising. Well, they had to use the artwork to sell the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. January of nineteen eighty five, Konami releases Yar Kung Fu, which lays the foundations for our modern fighting games. The flyer looks like the cover of a Bruce Lee movie. It does. <laughs> yeah, I I can't remember if we talked about this last year. Did. I'm sure we probably did, but I, I I've never played this game before. Yeah, me neither. Let's see. January eighth, nineteen eighty eight, Konami releases Super Contra. Love me some Super C. That was one of the first games I think that I uh Reviewed for the show. It's got to be within the first couple of months. I'll actually... Let me do a quick search. I'm always curious to see what we reviewed you yeah. know, the, the early days of the show. And I love how the game artwork for all these games like Contra, Metal Gear, were all just rip-offs of like 
uh, Arnold movie posters and like, look, that's straight up Rambo. <clears throat> that is the Rambo movie poster. Just cartoonized. No, it, it really is. <laughs> so you reviewed Super C. It was volume or episode 29, wow. which aired March 13th, 2017. Wow. So within the first year. Yeah, that's. Not, I, I thought it was earlier than that. The time just blends together yes, nowadays. It does. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> uh, let's see, January fifteenth yes, of nineteen ninety-two, Mega Man Four is released in the U.S. and everyone knows my love of Mega Man. I want to get a complete Mega Man collection. That's that's my goal is to have all the Mega Man games. Yeah, I feel like every year when we do this segment, it's always December and January. Mm when we see the Mega Man games. Like, it's just nuts how consistent they are with that. I know. And I was actually at the Play and Talk here uh, this last weekend. Uh, I was looking at some of the Mega Man games, and they're still expensive. Why are they so expensive? I don't get it. That, it's that demand, I guess. I guess. Uh, let's see. January 13th, 1995, Taito released Puzzle Bobble for the SNES. I love these games. I do too. I may have told this story before, but back at my old dentist office, they had like a little waiting room for kids and they had two arcade machines in it. One was Burger Time and the other was Puzzle Bobble. So I, I played quite a bit of that, you know, whenever I would go to the dentist. They had like, you know, NES and Super Nintendo too, but. Those, like, I could play on a regular basis, and I always went right to the arcade machines, and this was the one that I would go to the most. Yeah, I, we used to have this actual machine in the old restaurant I worked at, and used to play it all the time, and then, and then they renamed it to Bust a Move when they ported mm -hmm. it to the, uh, the Super Nintendo, which if you have a Super Nintendo Classic, it, it's already on there for you. Mm-hmm. Love that game. It's addictive as hell. It really is. And, and that game is not to be confused with the hit Young MC song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. January 3rd, 1997, Diablo was released for Microsoft Windows. Uh, I never got to play the original Diablo. I played Diablo 2, but the original Diablo I never got to play. Yeah, I know a lot of people who love the Diablo games. and I, I know they're popular, but... I've my Diablo three is great of playing. That's and, what I've heard. And you can get it for the switch. If you've never played a Diablo game, Diablo three is a good game to just jump into. Cause it, you don't really have to have played the previous games. You can just jump right into three and then okay. you'll, you'll get everything you need to know. <clears throat> Might have to do that at some point. It's really good. And from what I... I've never played the console version of it. I have it on the computer. Um, but I, I, from what I hear, the console version is very well done. So um, if, you, Interesting. if you're interested, I would say get it on the Switch. Yeah. No, I'll definitely do that. But to close us out for this month in video game history, on January 21st, 1998, Resident Evil 2 is released for the Sony PlayStation. Love it. My favorite game, still one of my, my top five favorite games of all time. So not just from that console, but just in general. Just in general. 
And especially nice. the remake. The remake for the PlayStation 4 that they did late last year. Um, so good. If you haven't played it, you're doing yourself a disservice. I, I will I will get to it. You need to. At some point. You do. You need to do that, Derek. You need to get Resident Evil 2 and Diablo 3 and just have yourself a nice, relaxing weekend. Maybe when I get older. <laughs> uh, before we go into our review for tonight, Derek has some shout-outs. Yeah, so as always, we like to shout out our friends over on Patreon. And this week, we'd like to shout out Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, and John Jekyll. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Yes, thank you guys very much. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... Tell us all about it, Derek. That's some pretty pretty tranquil music. It is. I think would would be the the right word <laughs> to describe that. Especially for a platformer. Yeah, I know. So, this week I'm going to be reviewing Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, which is a 1990 platform game developed by Sega and released for the Sega Genesis. And the first thing that was shocking to me, so this is for the Genesis Mini that was released last year. And I got the Genesis Mini on Black Friday, but I didn't even open the box until about a week ago because I was actually having a really hard time deciding what I wanted to review on the show. I had a couple of ideas, but I said, you know what? I haven't opened the Genesis yet, so I'll try it out and see what happens. And I, I was reading about a couple of the games, and this is the first one that really stood out to me. Because I remember the game, The Magical Quest, for Super Nintendo. So I was thinking, is it just the same game, but yeah. with a different name? But no, it's it's actually different. And it, it was a pretty highly regarded game. And then it was also shocking to me that the game came out in 1990. So this predates Sonic the Hedgehog. Because mm -hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog didn't come out until 91. So it says here, this was the first game in Sega's long-running illusion video game series starring Mickey and was also a part of the second wave of games initially re released for the Sega Genesis, which helped seal the console's reputation within the period until the release of Sonic in 1991. So growing up late 80s, early 90s, and even still to this day, my favorite genre of gaming is platforming. Yeah. And I think it's because I grew up with the Mario series. But I, all types of platformers, I will at least give them a try because there's just something very satisfying about you know jumping over obstacles and trying to go through courses and figuring out how to get from your starting point to the ending point. So this game initially, you know, from the very beginning, it jumped right out at me. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to give it a try. Well, this is one of the, one of the first games I tried out too. As soon as I uh, started up the the Genesis Mini, because I remember the um, the marketing push for this game 
when I was a kid because I used to get uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly and uh, other publications like that. And this game was being pushed pretty hard at the time because, like you said, this was be- right before Sonic the Hedgehog. So Sega really didn't have like a mascot, like flagship, other than it, it would come, you know, the Genesis would come packaged with Altered Beast, but, but that wasn't really, you know, a killer app. But then once, you know, the Sega kind of got the, uh, the, Disney license and started making these games they were console exclusive like these were not on any other system other than the Genesis so that was the only place you could play these games and I really wanted to play them back in the day but I just I never had a Genesis well if you think about it what better character to market your console around at that time than one of the most recognizable characters in the world yeah and my first thought when I started playing this game was how good it looked for a game that was made in 1990 because to me the the backgrounds are pretty well detailed for a game that was made around that time yeah the colors are great i think the animation is very good even you know mickey walking around with just his kind of you know carefree little bounce in his step it's just little nuances like that really stood out to me from the very beginning and and the gameplay is pretty simple you go from your starting point to the ending point yeah i think you go through uh three different courses in each level and then you fight a boss and then you when you beat the boss you get this gem and you're the whole game takes place in this giant castle you're trying to to rescue many from this witch named miserable who looks like a combination of Maleficent and the Queen from uh, Snow White. Yeah. So it, essentially, if you take the Queen from Snow White, you take her outfit, put Maleficent's face on it, you pretty much have Miserable. Hmm. And the, the cool thing about her is, that, did you ever play or hear of the game Epic Mickey? Uh, sounds familiar. So Epic Mickey was a Wii exclusive. Ah, yeah, 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 I do remember. I actually, I never played it, but I did uh, demo it at uh, Best Buy once. So it was made in the same, not exactly the same animation, but Mickey had the same look as his classic, you know, 19, like early 1900s look, like Steamboat Willie era. Yeah. He had that same look, and it dealt with forgotten characters in the Disney universe. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the sequel to that, they brought back Miserable to be the villain. Oh, that's which, cool. Which I thought was was very cool. But the as I said, the story of this game is you play as Mickey Mouse and you have to rescue Minnie from this witch named Miserable, who is essentially jealous of Minnie's beauty. So she steals her, takes her to her castle, and is going to steal her looks. And you travel through these different worlds that are inside the castle. So you're you're in this main hub area of the castle, and there are several different doors, and each door has a different world behind it. So you start out with the Enchanted Forest, then you go through Toyland, the Storm, uh, there's Dessert Factory, the Library, and then you have the castle itself. Each world has three different subworlds that you have to go through, and you fight various enemies. And for the most part, you just have your jumping attack, where you just 
like Mario style, you land on top of your enemies, but you do get projectiles um, that are available on a limited basis. See, and that's what I was going to actually ask you what you thought about the actual gameplay itself. Not that it's bad. I'm not saying there's anything bad about it. It just, it's kind of slow. It's not very fast paced. I like a good fast paced, uh, you know, side scrolling platformer. And this just kind of felt slow and clunky. Not, not clunky, just, I don't know. It just really was a little too slow for my taste. Yeah, it has a very methodical pace to it. Not like a Mario where you're, it's fairly straightforward and you can get through it pretty quickly. Or I feel like Sonic is an unfair comparison because the objective is to get to the end as quickly as possible. Mm. But this game is definitely more methodical, but it, it didn't really bother me all that much. You know, it, it, to me, it didn't really feel that different than a platformer that was made around that time. Yeah. That looks great though. When I went through, you know, I just went through like the first couple of levels Man, like the graphics on this game were like excellent, especially for mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, as I said, that was the the thing that jumped out to me first was just how how good it looks, and it, it still holds up. You know, I I see indie games that are made with this exact same style, mm-hmm. but the game, I mean, it is repetitive. But to me, that's kind of what platformers are i mean you have the objective from getting from point a to point b then you go to your next level you get from point a to point b so it's it's repetitive in that sense but the cool thing is all the worlds are different you know i just listed them all but like in the enchanted forest you fight different enemies and you have actually your projectiles are apples that you can throw and in toyland are these you know purple balls that you throw and i think it's the same thing in in the storm and they they change throughout the levels depending on what it is to adapt to the environment yeah so that that's that's kind of repetitive and but i don't really call it a critique it's just kind of the way it is yeah but i mean i've had i haven't beaten the game unfortunately i've gotten to the library which is the next to last world but i've been having a lot of fun playing it just because it it takes me back to a time where i enjoyed games such as this yeah like a mario like you know i i did play the magical quest as a kid and that has some similarities and that'll be a game that i review uh, at some point but there actually there was two different versions that were made for this as well there was the master system and game gear versions that featured different game mechanics enemies items levels and graphics i'm curious as to what those differences are and i, I didn't look them up before we started but it makes me think of the the donkey kong games because you had donkey kong country for the super nintendo and then you had Donkey Kong Land for the Game Boy where you'd have the gameplay would be kind of the same but there would be enough differences to where it wasn't exactly the same yeah but it says um, here that uh, the sequel Land of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse was released for the Master System in 92 and Game Gear in 93 and then the World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck followed for the Genesis in 92 
And then 94, Legend of Illusion was released for the Game Gear with a Master System port following in 1998 exclusively in Brazil. It's a lot of illusion. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of weird the way they're all named different, but were they the, were they the actual, like, was Land of Illusion and World Illusion basically the same game, or were they different? So what I'm looking at now, World of Illusion is actually on the Genesis Mini as well. Oh, was it? I don't remember. Um, I think I did play that one a little bit. So I that one I haven't one That had Donald yet. Duck in it for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, do, you, do you have any, you know, specific questions about the gameplay or anything that involves no, Castle of Illusion? No, not really. I mean, like I said, this was one of those games I really wanted. Like, this was almost one of the games that almost made me get a Sega Genesis when I was a kid. Um, but then, of course, I was saving up my money, and the Super Nintendo was coming out like a year later, and I was like, eh, I think I'm just going to wait for the Super Nintendo, because I was such a Nintendo nerd at the time. Yeah. But I think if the Nintendo, if they would have been a little slower getting out the Super Nintendo, I definitely would have bought a Genesis, because I was ready to move up to the 16-bits by that time. And um, mm -hmm. this was definitely, I, I, I just remember the marketing push that they had for this game. I mean, it was in uh, all the gaming magazines. Every time, every comic book I bought had a full page spread for Castle of Illusion and it had, you know, it had screenshots. Um, that was back in the day when they would do put actual screenshots. I'm like, man, this game looks so fun to play. And like, like I said, I never played it until I finally fired up the Genesis Mini. Uh, last fall and played it for a little while. And like I said, I wasn't disappointed with it. It looked great. It sounded great. It was fun to play, but like, it was just a little too slow for my taste. I like a little bit more, a little bit more faster action in my, uh, my platformers. Yeah, no. And I, and I totally get that. But at the time of the game's release, Mean Machines gave the Sega Menaces, Sega Mega Drive, say that five times fast, hmm, slash yeah. Genesis version <laughs> of the game a positive review, awarding the game a score of 95%. Wow. Specifically praising the game's graphics and playability. Mega placed it at 21st spot in their 1992 list of top Mega Drive games of all time. And according to GameSpot in 2010, it wasn't just the levels that made this game so good. The music, the controls, and Mickey's superb animation all contributed to one of the very best Disney games mm -hmm. that would heavily influence those to follow. And that was another thing. The actual animation that uh, of the characters in the game, like Mickey, he was so heavily animated moving throughout the game. It reminded me a lot of um, Earthworm Jim, like mm -hmm. the way he moves. It was, it's just really fluid animation, and like they, you could tell that the people that made the game really, really cared a lot about making him, making the game seem like you're playing an actual cartoon. Well, in his animation, like you felt like he was Mickey. Yeah, you know, Mick, you know, you think of Mickey as this joyful, happy, you know, mouse. So yeah. it, it was it was perfect. And even watching the the enemies move across the screen is just so smooth. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, there's no like slowdown or like cause that was uh, one of the things that bothered me about the original Nintendo too. Like there were like games you'd have too many enemies on the screen and everything would start to kind of slow down and flicker. But like this game playing through it, like it's just smooth as butter. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Mixmaster asked in the chat, Derek, is that background your living space look with the brick? <laughs> I, it's not in my entire house. So I, I converted this room into kind of, I call it my, my studio. It's a stand-up you know, comedy room with a, where he just stands <laughs> in front of a brick wall telling jokes to the room. Because <laughs> <sighs> there's the only people that will laugh. But um, <laughs> no, essentially, I, I wanted this room to have kind of a studio type feel to it and I, I saw the look and i'll admit i stole it i was watching a video edition of joe rogan's podcast he had robert downey jr on his show yeah i started and listening i cannot to that wait today. to listen to that mm, i've listened to like the first 15 minutes of it and i'm gonna finish it tomorrow yeah i i can't wait to hear it but um no, I just wanted to have kind of a cool look for this room, you know, whenever I do video shows or I have people over to to do my show. So that was kind of the the inspiration behind it. But no, the, the rest of my house is, well, my living room's covered with Star Wars stuff. But <laughs> other than that, you know, it's typical looking house. So but before, thank you for the compliment. So before we leave uh, Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, what kind of number grade would you give it? See... I'm a little biased when it comes to platformers and this one, especially with it being as good as it is. And it's a good overall game. It's got a great look. It's got good music. The controls are good. Yes, it is a bit slow at times, but for my personal taste, it wasn't that big a deal. I would give this game probably a solid eight and a half that out of 10. Right. It's, it's, that's pretty high, but it's a very, very good platformer. And yeah. if you if you have the old school Genesis, this is a game you have to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I would it, say to that. To me, it was, yeah. it was very important in the history of the Genesis because it's one of those things that kept it afloat mm -hmm. until Sonic came along. Yeah. And uh, I think next week I'm going to stay within the Genesis genre and I am going to review Comic Zone next week which i had never played it but i also i always wanted to it was another one of those games i saw the advertisements for it and never got to play it and then as soon as i got the genesis mini of course i played castle of illusion first i played some altered beast and then i started playing comic zone and it is i don't want to say strange but it's definitely different as a platformer but it's completely awesome especially if, if you're a comic book fan like comic zone is definitely uh right up your alley now i'm excited to hear about it so uh, have you mixed master i was gonna say Go did ahead. you get a chance to play it a little bit i haven't yet but i i will before the show next week please do because i want to get your uh your opinion on it as well no, definitely. Uh, Mixmaster, and you know, I keep bouncing back to the chat, but Mixmaster <laughs> asks, speaking of Star Wars, what did you think of Rise of Skywalker? Uh, there, you should go check out the Derek Diamond experience uh, <laughs> last week or week before, and you'll hear all of our, um, our, our opinions and our review. I was hoping you would say it so I wouldn't just sound like I was... <laughs> Well, I won't use that phrase on the show because I don't feel like cursing, but <laughs> we'll say pimping out my show. Yeah, yeah, go listen to that. We're, the nice and we're going to be doing a panel at Pensacon, a Star Wars panel at Pensacon that just got, I don't know mm -hmm. if we're supposed to 
say that yet, but I'm going to. We're doing a Star Wars panel at Pensacon this year. I'm wondering if I'm going to end up moderating it or if I'm going to sit on the panel because I think sitting on it would actually be kind of fun because I, I never get to sit do on that. it. I'd rather you be on the panel. Yeah, we'll have Jeremy or somebody else moderate it. Then we can actually grill you about how you knew the ending of that damn movie. We'll hold oh, you, you know down gonna, and give you pink belly you know until gonna, you tell us who you know at Lucasfilm. <laughs> uh, you just have to slip the right people $20 bills. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I, I, closing thought, love Castle of Illusion really good game everyone should play it absolutely uh get ready for comic zone coming up next week if you have a genesis mini fire it up play it and uh let us know what you think about it and you can do that by emailing us and we had we did get one email the other day but we don't need to read it on the show um apparently we've had some sound issues with the Mm -hmm. show and uh hopefully we fix that so if not, please let us know because I'm deaf and I can't tell um, how the show sounds. I do go back and listen to the show. I don't go back all the time, but I do go back about at least once or twice a month just to make sure everything sounds good. And uh, I haven't noticed anything off with it, but uh, uh, apparently someone did. So um, let us know if, uh, if, the, if there's anything weird going on with the sound of the show. Yeah, we did some testing before the show started, so hopefully the sound problems are behind us. I hope so. But uh, but definitely send us some emails and let us know what you think of Castle of Illusion, what you think of uh, Comic Zone, because that's going to be coming up. But we got some good games we're going to be reviewing this year, and now our whole palette has opened up because of the Sega Genesis Mini. We've got a whole new system of games to, to start reviewing. I'd love to get my hands on a TurboGrafx-16 Mini, but they got to drop the price on that damn thing. Yeah. 99 bucks yeah. is way too much for that. My thing is, if Nintendo's not going to charge that for the NES or the Super Nintendo, why is TurboGrafx doing it? I mean, you were, you were the console that was dead last back in the yeah. day. Why would you charge more? For your mini console. I don't get it at all. Logic sometimes. I don't get it. Or or lack of it. So Derek, anything else you want to get out there before we call it a show? Yeah, just again, like I said at the beginning of this Tuesday, I will be doing a live episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. It's going to be Tuesday, January 21st at 8.30 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash Podcast. I'm going to be listing my top 10 movies of 2019, so feel free to join in the chat, discuss your favorite movies, some of your least favorite movies from the year. It should be a fun time. You know, I, I always... The thing I love most about doing those live shows and what I've missed doing is the interaction. Yeah. With everybody. I mean, even if it's just really stupid stuff, I'll, you know, throw it in there too. So, um, other than that, oh, one cool thing today, I got to interview uh, Catherine Sutherland, who was the second Pink Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, who's going to be at Pensacon. So, oh, that's I'll be, cool. 
I'll be releasing that interview probably mid to late February when awesome. it gets a little bit closer to the convention. Yeah. Uh, and Saturday the 18th, I finally looked it up in my calendar. Uh, this Saturday the 18th at 8.30 p.m., I will be at the Bro Caray Brewery in New Orleans doing stand-up. And I'll be there with uh, some of our local comedians here, Kringus Gillespie, uh, Jacob Craig, and of course, uh, New Orleans comedian Michael Hall is going to be emceeing the show. So please come out if you're in the New Orleans area and say hi and watch some funny comedians. So Derek, anything else before we go? that it? Are we good? No, I think that's it. Right, let me play our music here. If you would like to email us, please do at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Go throw us a couple bucks a month. Help keep the lights on over here and we'll throw you some extra episodes every month. And of course, if you can't do that, then please leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. This is the way. Okay.